You're listening to the Deliberative Podcast. Welcome to the Deliberative, your weekly podcast all about Exalted. I'm your host, Corey, and joining me today, as always, are Charles. Hey, And Jim. How's it going? All right. Well, back for another episode. Really enjoyed that last one with Tyler and Jamie. But this week's just going to be the three of us talking about cool stuff, as always. And we'll get it started just uh, just kind of going through what's your week been like in creation? Charles, why don't we start with you? What you been doing? Well, I have my first um, actual play session. Ooh, very <laughs> awesome. Nice. Uh, well, that is debatable. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was awesome and that it was my first actual play, but no, um, I'm not really happy with how it went. I tried to, Ooh. I think, leave it a bit, uh, maybe a bit too open and a bit too unplanned, relying too mm. much on improvisation um and i had some right. ideas which i think were i think the ideas themselves were solid but where i kind of lacked was uh figuring out an organic way to kind of initiate the players on those paths without just saying hey okay you have kind of two or three avenues you can approach you can check out this building you can investigate this ruin and you can talk to this person kind of deal so obviously right. i didn't want to do that yeah. and yeah. i didn't put enough time into thinking how to uh start that stuff off um get her started yeah, yeah. i also made a major mistake on uh the one and only combat we had where the uh, i was subtracting the soak from the post soak damage so i had my player like after uh, you rolled right yeah so like you know my avenging angel don cast would roll 20 dice and he'd get six successes and then the size one battle group of thugs who has six soak would take no damage and i i just remembered <laughs> in the moment i was like i feel like they should be making much shorter work of these guys than they are right 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 and i didn't know where that disconnect was in the moment of course talking to you guys i realized oh that soak takes away from dice and then you roll and will obviously get right. at least some successes and stuff yeah so. he probably would have absolutely <laughs> slaughtered those guys oh and i just now realize i didn't even take into account the overwhelming value <laughs> oh, so, <no>. so, <laughs> well, so he was like really doing no damage yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah. so yeah, that, that was, can that can kind of put, put a downer on a dawn cast i think so that was kind of a low. Unfortunately, I didn't realize it until afterwards. But those are right. relatively minor things to mess up. That's an easy fix. It's an easy thing to remember, and it'll make a huge right. difference going forward. Um, right. Well, I really look forward to hearing more about you know just your story as you go on and how things are developing and you know how much it improves. I think that'll be a cool kind of ongoing story for us here. I would love if it improved. Yes. <laughs> hey nowhere um, to go but up right yeah well it could just not go up and stay down uh no oh, it, yeah, it should, well, it should that's almost better. impossible yeah yeah um and then as far as the uh chatting with the chuckster podcast that's been still a little bit delayed i've had some 
stuff going on that's prevented me from working on that a little bit more. And then I thought the other night, maybe instead of doing just a solo podcast, maybe I should do a live stream and then mm. at the in the end just convert it also into raw audio as a podcast. But that would give right. a little bit of um a little bit of audience interaction and you know, as I'm covering a topic, someone could ask a question and say, Well, you know, I didn't really understand the difference there. Could you explain that a little bit more kind of deal? So right. if that's, yeah, that's something cool. you'd be interested in, let me know at charles.5poles at gmail.com so they will be chatting with the chuckster then yes literally exactly in every every sense of that yeah well cool I think that makes that makes a good that's a good idea Um, hopefully that goes well and you can get that started here pretty soon well uh, this week for me I have uh, been working quite a bit on trying to get our all exalted all the time play-by-post site online was able to get our former play-by-post site up and running yes and (laughs) yeah it's uh it looks good like feels like home love it can't wait to get started uh playing some more exalted on there i'm working on a new logo for the site we are going to call it deep wild and uh it is uh the subtitle is going to be um a fountain of unending creativity and so um so yeah i'm looking forward to that working on the new logo we're going to use the new logo to kind of develop all new art for the site make it look cool and i've already been reorganizing uh, where all the forums are moving the old world of darkness games down to um, other categories and kind of getting them out of the limelight and so yeah this is this is going to be fun so we'll be we'll be putting that up at um, deepwild.com if you go look at it now, it's going to say Shard. That was the name of our old website. But, yeah, that should be up and running here pretty soon. It's going to be pretty cool. We'll get some, hopefully get some listeners involved in, in maybe some games and whatnot. But um, oh, that'd be cool. I am also, yeah, I think that, that would be fun. Um, yeah. I'm also writing the story for a very special new addition to the Deliberative Network. And that is a new actual play that we're going to do with Woo. myself, Charles, Jim, and uh, another guy we'll introduce later. But uh, we're going to call it Wild Shape, taking some of that inf- infinite creativity and shaping it into a story for a little bit of a companion podcast, just us playing. And uh, so working on episode one of that right now, a uh, little bit of a Wild West feel to it. So looking forward to that uh everybody's making characters and we're gonna move forward that hopefully here pretty soon but uh what about you jim what have you been working on i'm still working on the quick start slash module that i've been talking about on the last couple episodes and um i started on this thing initially just to kind of put something together for to help some new players introduce some of their friends to exalted but this thing has like, it's, it's took, taken a life of its own. Um, mm. I mean, basically, I want this to look like a product that you would find on the shelf in your role-playing store. Um, mm, ambitious. So basically, what, what, what I'm planning to do is uh, to design all the characters. And each player would get like a character packet. And this char- okay. uh, this packet would tell you all the background of this character, and it would tell you like 
how he met the other characters and like some of the intimacy ties they've gotten together and but another character would have a similar packet but the story might be told in a little bit different way like for example let's say the eclipse the eclipse cast uh was rescued by the night cast and he drew a strong intimacy to this character and it talks about this well when you read the night cast Mm -hmm. version of the same story um maybe he wasn't doing it for the same reasons that the eclipse cast thought you know he was just trying to Mm -hmm. to get it get a an advantage out of this and so i want to have all these like personalities like basically when you grab this character packet you are an actor and it's like this is the person you're going to play in this story right so right then the the storyteller is going to shape all this together so i want it to be really tight-knit so that you could approach this game and all you got to do is just know how to pretend how to be another person and if you've ever been five, you can do that. Um, <laughs> but one thing that I've been doing uh, this week is I've been talking to some some artists that I know to do some okay. like manga anime style art is what I, I kind of want to do with this. Like some character portraits and maybe some fight scenes or something just to kind of, you know, to to make it look not just like a bunch of words on the page like you know you're right. describing a guy and and that's what he looks like so um also right. i mean if there's anybody out there that's interested in maybe uh contributing to this project just um my email will be toward the end of the show just send me a direct email and um when we'll talk and definitely uh, i am a big avid supporter of artists getting credit for their work so i will support you in any way if that's something you decide to do but just drop me a line if you're interested in something like that that's cool that's cool well i hope that uh hope that goes well and yeah hope we can get some folks uh some listeners there involved in in helping out i think that would be really cool and maybe like thing that the community built maybe when this thing's finished uh we'll do a playthrough uh of it just you mm. know see how it goes yeah that'd be awesome yeah well cool Well, before we get too much farther into the show, I think it's time that we look at the news for the week. News this week is that the backer kit surveys have gone out for What Fire Hath Wrought, the the Dragonblooded book. Yes, very excited about that. Uh, Filled it out at the absolute first (laughs) opportunity that I could. The second I saw it pop up in in my inbox, Rushed, filled it out, and I still was number 264. How in the world does that happen? <laughs> oh, you I think were number I was like 364 to fill out the backer survey. Yes, yes, Holy I was 264 cow. to fill that out. Yeah, so other, I, I don't know, don't know how, how those went out, but, uh, but yeah, because I jumped on it the second it was available. But uh, yeah, that's exciting though. It's exciting putting all that in there, thinking, "Wow, you know, we might could have something here pretty soon." I mean, at least at least we've taken this step now, right? So uh, all you guys get yours filled out. Yeah, yeah. I think I was three eighty four, somewhere around there. Oh, okay. Yeah, you sent out the the uh, the broadcast, and I jumped right on it. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. 
Good. So, uh, and, and if you, if, if folks, I, I think something with the backer kit allows people that weren't a part of the Kickstarter to order things from the Kickstarter. So, uh, I think if you just go to the Kickstarter page for Dragon Blooded, you can, uh, you can, you can get in on some of that. You can order the things, even if you missed the Kickstarter. So be sure to do that if you want one of these books and these books are going to be gorgeous, man. So you want to get them. I also ended up adding on the uh, <laughs> the cloth maps. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. oh, there you go, there you go. You couldn't couldn't let yourself be one up by me, huh? I could not. All man. right. Oh, there you go. All right. So hey, we're in this in the thick of it. Wow, a lot of money, a lot of money. Can't wait to see them though. Can't wait <laughs> to know. hang them up here in the nerd cave. Don't tell Sarah. <clears throat> I have to look around and make sure she's not listening now. <laughs> <laughs> Got to keep it on the DL. Yeah. Oh, well, that's still, hey, you'll be hanging up those gorgeous maps. She's like, where'd these come from? Oh, it's just part of that Kickstarter. You know that one I told you about. It's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Don't ask any more questions, ever. Yeah. Well, the other piece of news that we had this week, and this is a little more tentative, but I did think it was pretty exciting, is that the uh, the CEO for Paradox Interactive asked in a Twitch stream, asked if there were any Exalted developers out there that wanted to pitch him an Exalted computer role-playing game idea. And uh, he said, we love the game, love the system, love to see some pitches, uh, send some stuff our way, and... That's pretty exciting. Uh, just the fact, just the fact that that paradox that now owns White Wolf, that they are, that they love Exalted, that they have that kind of a, a positive reaction to the game and whatnot. And, but uh, got me thinking, you know, what what exactly would you want out of a Exalted computerized role playing game? Do you guys think about that? Any what what would you want to see out of? I mean, I know that they're you know sort of known for some of these games like well of course the uh, pillars of eternity and uh, some of those uh, those games that that feel like the old uh, infinity engine games from bioware and mm-hmm. honestly i'd be pretty dang cool with an infinity engine style game for exalted i know it's not as action packed as some of the some of the other things that could be done like you know this pause and click and issue commands and whatnot but i don't know it just feels like you're playing a role-playing game when you play one of those yeah. games what? i i guess the thing that potentially gives me a little pause is how are they gonna put all of those rules into a computer game what what well, I, I wouldn't think you'd put them all in well what i mean <laughs> is you know like the complexity of charms alone could be like a potential big hurdle so what i wouldn't want to see happen was i just i remember when i played neverwinter nights not the mmo rpg one but the old one from what was it black isle obsidian obsidian yeah and oh it was such a good game and it was the first one that was like third edition rules but it wasn't really because those rules were so complicated they couldn't really port them over yeah I don't well, they know. did perfectly port them over into the Temple of Elemental Evil. Yeah, I tried playing that. Yeah, it was re- it ended up being not that great because of that. I think. <laughs> but, oh uh, man, <laughs> you are you are speaking blasphemy <laughs> to me right now because <laughs> that game was like uh, now it was buggy as absolute 
garbage. I mean, it was so buggy and it crashed all the time and they were patching it forever. But, but when it worked, it was the D and D three, I think it was, was it 3.5? It was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was like the translation of that rule set into a computer game. And, oh, I mean, even crafting was in there like brew potion, all that kind of stuff. You could craft wands. I mean, uh, it, it taught me how to play D and D better. Like, <laughs> well, I tell you what I, I mean, would like to see. Game. What I'd like to see out of an exalted RPG is something that is, um, kind of like how you remember the game Planescape torment. Yeah. That yeah, was another so, infinity engine game. Yeah. So it had some combat in there, but the main, the main driving force behind that game more than a lot of the other infinity games was the story which is kind right, of what we've seen with yeah with uh torment tides of numenera and then pillars right. of creation and these kind of second wave ones i want to see right. a really good story that really shows off the setting you know the flat yeah. plane of creation and i think it would be awesome if they did it you know, I don't know if they're going to do it as a Kickstarter or whatever, but if if they did, to have some options to have some expansions or something to add in different types of exalts, because I feel like it's going to be a solar exalted game, which I'm okay with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I would love to see more games that would let you play these other these other ones too, like kind of the more. Yeah. You know, like right. a Lunar's video game, I think would be pretty rad. Yeah, a Lunar's book would be pretty rad too. Oh yeah, forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jim? You have any ideas? Well, I could tell you what I don't want. I don't okay. want it to go like the MMO route. Um, oh gosh, no, yeah, gosh. please, no. Nothing <laughs> ruins your immersion more than like Mom Killer Six Four Seven, like jumping on top Ugh. of your head like come yeah. on you know at least pick a name that sounds fantasy you know oh um, yeah the, but the breaking of the immersion just is such garbage what, with mmos and, and and you know it's it's basically series of fetch quests and you know take this oh, over here yeah. you know take this person over here what i would yeah. like to see i mean i'd love the whole aspect of like games like skyrim you know and fallout something yeah, along those endless fetch quests yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, but the, the, both games were absolutely gorgeous when they when they dropped. Yeah, you know, and they and they were quite fun. Yes, um, but I would like to see something that I love the idea of the single player story, the story mode that's mm -hmm. in a game. But someone needs to come up with a good design for me. I mean, I mean, this is role playing, right? Me and about. Four, three, four, six friends, we all get together mm. and we play through a story mode that's designed for multiple people. That would be just awesome. Like, yeah. it, it doesn't feel like, you know, everybody always talks to like uh, character number one and like character number two is just like hanging out in the background. Like, you know, he's like a sub character of the main character. No, I think it, yeah. if somebody could figure a way out to like make it feel more like a role-playing game, I think it would be great. Yeah. That's just what I'm thinking. I mean, maybe I'm asking too much. Um, 
Well, I mean, that's kind of like, I think, the holy grail of some of these things. You know, Chuck mentioned the Neverwinter um, MMO a while, while back. And, I mean, I think that, that that thing tried to do what you're saying with a bunch of, like, instanced quests and whatnot. And trying to put, like, small groups into some of these adventures. But, you know, it's still it still breaks immersion. I mean, your, your friend, you know, if I'm sitting there playing with you and you're all trying to get into your character... Um, if I'm sitting on the other side crunching Cheetos, which I would be doing, and going, "Oh, dude, man, that was boss! You see that junk all in your face, your mama's," you know, and all that kind of stuff, which I do. Um, sad to say, no, not sad to say. You know, we love it, but uh, you know that kind of like <laughs> that, that kind of like smack talking. I mean, like that's gonna, and then that's gonna break your immersion too. And so I, I really think that one of the only ways to like get that that real solid, pure, idealistic computer role-playing game feel is to have, you know, is to have it be single player. And, and yeah, I know. agree. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, I was thinking while you guys were, were talking, uh, one game that we didn't mention that might be just perfect. Okay. Give me a single uh, player, but I can like switch to, um, any character yeah. in the party at any time. So. Well, and I, I, <laughs> the one I was going to mention is, um, is Jade Empire by Bioware. Oh yeah. You know, probably one of like the, you know, the least appreciated games for what it actually was. I mean, like it should have been appreciated far more than it, than it currently is. I mean, Jade Empire was a groundbreaking, amazing game and actually already is sort of like an exalted game. I mean, those characters in Jade Empire do a lot of the things that you read about in the exalted rule book. And so uh, I think that that one would be, really good because it it gives you like the action aspect of pushing buttons to kick things butt big time right uh like you would want to do an exalted while also marrying it to a very rich story a very rich setting so uh that was that was the best thing i think maybe bioware ever did was jade empire it was right there between the sort of ugly non-interactive um you know menu driven combat of um was it knights of the old republic and then like the kind of two fps you know side of mass effect so well all right well that's on the table people are talking about that so um i think that's pretty exciting and uh what do you guys think listeners out there send us something this week uh telling us about what you think a good crpg for exalted might look like and we'll we'll put your put your ideas on the air i think that could be pretty fun well one thing that we noticed last week or that we had a conversation with uh, after our interview with our guests uh we we asked tyler and jamie to you know we asked them this question if you could be any exalt type which one would you choose and uh charles after the show he was a little sad and he was like hey they got to answer that question and you know i i wanted to answer that question we never you know we we changed sort of the uh the tradition you know we had answered the question what are your real life intimacies but we never really answered this this sort of new question that we're gonna ask guests you know and i wanted to do it and so uh, figured maybe we take just a, just a minute or two this week and talk about you know what what would our if you could be any exalt type which would you be and why Chuck since you were so sad about it you want to give your answer well first off as always your impression of my voice is spot on 
Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> you really capture the subtle nuances there. Thanks, um, I try. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think I... <sighs> I'm going to have to go with an air aspect dragon blood sorcerer because mm. every time I think back to playing Jansen, he is my favorite yep. character that I've played. And he was annoying. Wow. I get that. He was a spoiled little brat. <laughs> I fully understand that. But I feel like I played him very consistently and you very That's per yep. what his character would be like. And I had a lot of fun doing yeah. that. That's cool. Air aspect of dragon blood. I'm pretty sure my character's going to kick yours butt, but. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I wonder what, what you're you? going to pick, Corey. <laughs> well, hey, hey, you haven't heard yet. All right, Jim, what about you? What, what would you pick? Uh, I would definitely, there's no question, Lunars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. Um, since I was a kid, yeah, let's go back into the nerdage file here. Here, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was just the whole idea of like an animal having human qualities or a human having animal qualities, like in the werewolf uh, movies and stuff. Right. I just love the whole idea of lunars being able to like, like drink the heart's blood of like these animals and you know get their powers and and change form and become these animals and it's just that's it that's awesome and the whole idea of like you know secretly behind the scenes doing like some world building and city building like the the 10 10,000 uh streams um, right, right stuff it's just cool i like it i know there's like some everybody's got their cool exalt but to me, it's Lunars. Yeah, that's cool. That that one is a big temptation for me too, just because uh, you know I grew up watching like Manimal and uh, stuff. You know, this dude that could just change into all these different animals, and you know, I love that. I love how you. Oh, I remember Manimal. The, yeah, that man. Yeah. That's way back in the file. Yeah, it's way <laughs> back. That's like that's like early mid '80s there. Yeah, but uh, you know, some of these games, some of these games like D and D and whatnot. You know, when you you finally get the wild shape ability, and it's like you can do this for eight minutes a day or something like what no yeah, come on man stupid. i want to change you know yeah <laughs> so uh lunar's just kind of turning you loose and letting you just go into all kinds of different shapes and if you want a new one just go hunt it down i mean i i, I love it i it's a real strong draw but i i think that for me i would most want to be an infernal what yes Yes, an infernal, and, and and I have like a real specific reason for it. I could not be and, more shocked at that answer <laughs> because I knew a hundred percent you were going to say I'd be a Don Castellar, and I was all well, ready to go. Beep, 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 beep. See, <laughs> I guess the thing is, I'm I'm already a Don Castellar in real life, and okay, so well. Yeah, <laughs> I want to try the other side for a while. No. Um, yeah, no. Actually, I've, I have a really, I have a really complicated reason for why I pick infernals, and it's because the infernals serve the actual creators of creation, 
and like all of this other mess, all of these other usurpers, you know, the solars like to talk about the usurpers, you know, being the dragon bloods and whatnot. But let's not forget the solars themselves were usurpers. The lunars were usurpers. They were the humans that these pathetic gods exalted to this power. And I say pathetic because they themselves were just creations of these primordials, right? And so these creatures, these gods, these creatures, they raise up these humans to go try to take down the primordials. And I, I kind of feel like the ones that they did kill, the Neverborn, uh, if you died to a human, you sort of deserve to be dead a little bit. Sorry, Chuck, with your abyssal love and whatnot, but like, <laughs> but the ones, the ones that lived, right? I mean, like Malpheus, Adorjan, she who lives in her name, Ebon Dragon, all that stuff. Like, they, I mean, I don't know. There's like, there's mad respect for them because they like actually, you know, they they were the movers and shakers that that built this creation, and so actually serving Malpheus, or actually serving Adorjan. I think would be ultra cool. And I know hell's not a nice place, right? You know, uh, <laughs> last week, Tyler was talking about how, you know, oh man, I was so stupid. I should have picked Sidereals because you get to live in heaven. You know, it's like, yeah, living in heaven, that's nice. And living in hell, that's not so nice. But um, I don't know. It just feels like you're back in the right horse. You know, you're not, you're, there, there's no usurping anywhere. It's just time to, to take back what's ours. Well, I did and I just hear... like that. I did hear that they upgraded the Wi-Fi in hell to gigabit service, so they have that going for them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But they so all it, run Windows operating systems in hell. No! <laughs> <laughs> oh, the irony! <laughs> yeah, now if you ask me which cast, I'm not, I'm not terribly sure. I, I'd probably end up going with like Malpheus just because, you know, it's the most... It's the most, um, uh, it, it's, it's most like the Dawn cast, you know? Yep, there it is. And so that feels... <laughs> you knew it. I knew it. You got him. He didn't pick Dawn cast, but he basically picked Dawn cast. For the record. <laughs> oh, what can I say? It's hard to leave my wheelhouse. Uh, so um, Dawn yeah. cast in hell. That's what I want. Yeah. 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 So that's probably what I go with. What, Jim, you, you didn't say which uh, which cast you would be if you were a lunar. Did you pick? I didn't pick. You asked me what exalted I wanted to be. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you have to pick. So full moon, no moon, changing moon. I guess uh, full moon's more of like the warrior type. Yeah, no it would, it would like be magic full, full moon with this nasty, massive war form, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I hear you. All right. Well, interesting. Hey, Corey, before we go any further, I would like to take a second to thank those who have left us reviews on iTunes. Hmm. Yeah. Val Ooh, West, 02, John Jarday, mm. Les Fibian, Twin Cities by much. Night Podcast. Those guys Ooh. over there left hey, us guys. a review. And Sorbaclu. Yeah, Sor- thank you, Sorbaclu, excuse me. Yeah, thank you guys. We appreciate those reviews so much, and and others I know have hit, have hit the five star on there to give us a review. But uh, those who have written out the reviews, man, we appreciate those so much, and uh, we get a kick out of reading those. 
and uh yeah we we want to we want to deal with some of the things that some people have put on their reviews we're we've got those on our list of things to cover so if you haven't heard us talk about what you've mentioned in your review yet we will get to it so thank you guys though very much for your review and hey those of you who haven't left a review yet consider doing so because it really does help us get to the you know top of the search results and things when people go looking for us or at least that's what we've heard from other podcasters who've said similar things (laughs) and hey Corey, let's not forget our facebook page the deliberative podcast uh we right we uh link a lot of our articles from our website fivepoles.com there um so if you leave us an a review on itunes please make sure to go to our facebook page and leave a recommendation or rate us or drop a comment and we'll make sure to reply to that quickly yeah yeah we've had some good ones there some good some good conversations with some folks and uh we appreciate all of you guys so much it helps us to um to feel encouraged to keep doing the show and to put our energy into it put our all into it when we when we see that it's you know touching people and that they enjoy it and so that keeps us getting together every week and recording this and i am very grateful to you for just that opportunity so, yeah. Yes. Thank you. And please yeah. do that. All right. Well, our feature discussion for this week is going to be about the art form of storytelling and specifically storytelling in the exalted universe, the exalted game. And so uh, we want to just talk about some, some tips, some, some experiences that we've had in storytelling, things that we've learned and uh, just kind of put that out there for folks who are just starting out for storytelling and storytelling exalted like like charles here he's just starting out and um, man does it there show. are others i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> and so we just we just want to talk about that for a second you know and just things that we've learned things that we found that are very interesting uh, both in or in in designing the story and designing the setting designing the antagonist so we just kind of want to go through that for a little bit but then you know so when we come down to these specific specific ideas like how to craft a story when you come to a game like exalted what you're going to find is there's not adventures out there you can just go pick up and run man you no can't they're not the, i know that for a there's fact not. Right. <laughs> so you can't go pick up the six-part adventure path you know for exalted that's going to you know take your characters through three years of a game i mean it's just it's not available so you're going to have to do the hard work of writing your story and how do you do that? So I mentioned in last episode, this amazing section in the Changeling the Lost first edition core rule book in the storytelling chapter. It's a section beginning on page 241 of that book called Basic Story Structures. And now, of course, this is written for Changeling the Lost and it has Changeling the Lost examples in it. But the the ideas that are represented here are some of the absolute best I have ever seen for crafting a story. And uh, I just want to run down real quick just a, a basic outline of, of what this writer is suggesting that you do. So if, you, if you're coming to Exalted as a new storyteller and you don't know how to write your own stories, or maybe you've just been of the school of thought that says, I'm just going to run these guys against, you know, all the antagonists from the rule book and we're going to do a monster of the week and we're just going to have fights and whatever. And now you're wanting to move into more of a story rich environment. Here's, here's an easy way. Now this is, this is paraphrased. This is distilled down from this chapter in the changeling, the lost book, but what they say to do, and this is brilliant is to take out a piece of paper 
and write one line says introduction and then skip down a few lines you know down skip down about six or seven lines or so and write climax and now what you're going to try to do is what you what you want to do is you want to fill in the introductory scene of your story you know how do you want this story to begin how do you want this game to begin with these characters uh, what's the event that kicks it off? You're, you're, and then you're going to write it down, just like a single sentence or something, right there next to introduction. Introduction, runaway caravan, or something like that, right? The characters are going to start out on a caravan. Something spooks the horses. They start running, and we have to figure out how to slow this thing down while pots and pans and luggage and everything's just flying off into the desert or something, right? So, like, that's a cool start. Write that down under introduction. Then you're going to think about the climax of your story. Like, where is it ending? And, you know, you you don't have to have all of this planned out beforehand. You're sitting here looking at this paper. You got runaway caravan. Great. How does this end? Uh, I don't know. You know, and just, just come up with something interesting. Like, um, I, I'm totally throwing this out here. And this might be the stupidest story ever. But, you know, uh, exploring the bottom of a lake and finding a hidden trident that controls the weather or I don't know something right some climax of your story or, or defeating the bad guy or whatever you know, what what you want your series to culminate in your your uh, you know we on our board we talked about it in terms of seasons like tv seasons but your big adventure arc what you want it to culminate in what's the last episode of that season of your show looking like are they going up against the big bad guy are they discovering some massive secret uh you know what what does that look like write that down on the uh on the climax line and now in between those two lines put five little dots and this is the this is the easiest part of this thing now all you got to do is connect the dots you say what goes what's the next scene after the runaway caravan getting me closer and closer to my climax right so what's what's the very next thing that happens after that run after that initial scene and then you go down to the climax you say what's the thing that happened just before we discovered the big secret or had to confront the big bad guy what's the thing that happened just before that and so you just spend some time thinking about that write those on those lines and now you only have three dots left and you can see where this is going you're just merging all of this together then you're thinking of the thing that happened after that uh, the second event and you're thinking of the thing that happened before the event just before the climax and you're and then you're like coming together in that central point tying the beginning of the story into the end of the story and there you've got your you've got your outline that's that's going to be and, and it can be as it can be as uh as narrow or as broad as you want it to it can be something that's going to take you a year to play through those seven points or it can be something that's going to take, you know, two weeks to play through. You know, just it's how you decide you want to uh, pace the thing. But once you have that outline in there, now you've got a lot of freedom. You know what the introduction is going to be. And you know that that's your most important part at the moment because that's the first thing the characters are going to interact with. So just take some time and really flesh that one out. Like that's where you spend, always spend the majority of your time fleshing out the next point in the graph. And then like for the other ones, you know, start trying to write like a whole paragraph about each one of those other points so that you can kind of see where you're going, but leave it a little open-ended too. So that, I mean, don't write everything out ahead of time because the actions of your players may change where the story is going 
down the road. And so if you leave those things open, you can then, as you get to it, then flesh it all out so that you've got a better idea of how it goes. Um, Charles, did you try this method at all when you uh, were working on your new story that you're playing right now? Um, I tried to a little bit, but the honest truth was I didn't get this information until maybe about a week out from the first session. Um, You know, not not trying to make excuses, but I didn't have a whole lot of time to really uh, sit down and flesh that out. I, I think the other problem was kind of bare outline that I had. I didn't then go back and flesh out the other parts enough. Yeah, I mean, you definitely want to know where your characters are going during the story because you can only prepare for what you from where you think they're going. And so, looking ahead, get and and, and have it. I think it's important for a storyteller to have a conversation with your players pretty often. Of you know, where are you guys planning? What are you planning to do next? I know we did this a lot on the board. Um, I would I would ask questions like you know what. What, what are your thoughts right now? Where are you guys thinking that you're going to do? Because I need to know that if I'm going to write the next part. You know, if, you, if you're going to go off the rails and head out into the wilderness when I expected you to walk into town, I, I kind of want to know that so I can prepare some wilderness stuff, you know. So it's not, don't be ashamed of just asking your players. At the end of, I think it's good to do like at, at the end of a, um, of a session. Just like, all right, what are you guys thinking right now? What are you thinking you're going to do on the next, you know, the next session? And just kind of use some of their thoughts. I mean, you know, perfect opportunity to take what they think is going to happen and turn it on its head. But also, it just gives you a heads up of where they're going to try to go so that you can either head them off at the pass or just deal directly with what they want to deal with. If you're spending all this time planning what's going to happen in this city and, you know, it's good to know that at the end, they're like, oh, yeah, we, we, we were thinking about going in and inspecting the bridge. That's what we're planning on doing next. Well... You know, right off the bat, hey, I need to to brush up on what's going to happen over here because they may totally, you know, throw you for a loop if you don't ask questions like, you know, how's it going? How's everybody feeling? What everybody, you know, just kind of warm everybody up uh, at the beginning of a session and, you know, get a little bit of feedback at the end. I mean, don't be like fishing for like, was that the best game you ever played or what? Like, oh, no, that kind of right. sucked, man. You just kind of want to, you know, what'd you like? What did you not like? Uh, where are we going? Uh, that That's great. But I wanted to make a comment about the outline that you talked about. And this outline is great. And I've used it several times, not just in White Wolf games. I've used it in other games, too. Um, I've used it to write books. Uh, yeah, it worked. It's great. Um, I've, yeah. I used it to when I was writing a comic for an artist. I used this same method to uh, lay out the panels. Basically, I did all the writing and then I, I sent it to him and I'm like, here's here's your story. Uh, draw it. But yeah, same method and, and it works out great. But there's one thing I would like to add to this. And you mentioned it a little bit, but when I was when I was designing the Lunars game, I used this method and I came up with this really good story. I was like, man, they're going to do this. They're going to do this. They're going to do this. And then like everybody started putting their characters up and I was reading the characters mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, these characters do not fit this story <laughs> at all. Um, so then that's when we started doing some of the background and preludes like, all right, first of all, guys, why are you even together? I mean, what in the world? I mean, we really right. ran into this in Vampire. 
Um, yeah. Because it's like, you know, everybody is freaking Batman. You know, Batman works alone. And vampires yeah, usually right. typically work alone. When you, like, see how they're described and you're like, why in the world would four vampires come together and want to go uh, adventuring or whatever? You know, I know that's not what they do. But essentially, <laughs> you've got a group of... You got a group of players together and you have to build a story. So it's like, why, you know, this guy hates you on paper. He absolutely hates your type of character. Why in the world are y'all even together? Um, so you got to have those kind of what I call the zero session. Um, where it's like, all right guys, we're going to meet, but we're not going to play yet. You know, we're going to gather some Intel or, and that's a good time to like help people make characters. Yeah, so you do that, and then you just kind of sit down like, hey, guys, let's work a story. Let's just, you know, let's just um, improv here. And those are fun sessions, too. Like, all right, your guy, you're in this town, and you're walking down, and why in the world would you meet this guy? What would make you want to run into a guy like this? And then just let the characters go, uh, let the players go with it, and they'll come up with some really good stories. Like, And then once you got together, okay, this is my... This is the group, and everybody knows where they fit in that group. You're like, all right, guys, now we're going to take maybe a week or two off, and I'm going to go build a story for your characters. Yeah. Yeah, that, I think that there's a couple of ways that you can marry the story to the characters, and I think there's a couple of mistakes that you can make that uh, that make that harder for you. But, uh, I mean, there one way is certainly to build the characters and build their backgrounds first and then have the storyteller write the story like Jim was just saying. But I think you can also do it another way is you can say here, and this is what we're doing with our new uh, wild shape show is uh, I, I say to the, the characters or to the players, I say, here's, here's where we're at. And I give them the full setting. This is the setting. This is the feel. And we are going to start this game in a back room dice game and it's high stakes it's the kind where there's you know dangerous people and you know if you if you tick somebody off there could be bloodshed but you guys are going to start there and i want you know I want you to think of a cool reason why you're there somebody you one of you might be there to like hunt down a criminal or something like that one of you might be there and just not want to be there you were drugged there by somebody else one of you might be there but i want you to come up with a really cool reason of why you're there and then my plan is of course to take that situation and just blow it up and and then watch your characters kind of gel together and hopefully some of hopefully some of the characters will have already built some background together before they walked into that room oh but we're gonna start That's gonna be done before yeah. right so we're gonna start though right in the middle of some very interesting action and um and so by by laying out the setting and laying out some of those expectations your character doesn't or your your player doesn't create you know some guy who exalted on a mountaintop in the north and has been an ice fisher for you know 20 years and uh you know really just wants to take on the 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 dragon bloods of the empire what like nobody's gonna create that character that's not where we're at we're way down in the south about two days journey from jim to uh, you know north of jim and it's like you know we're we're going kind of very spaghetti western a little bit down there and so like it's it's constraining how the how the players make their characters 
by providing them that setting information and a little hint of, of maybe where the story is going to go. Right. So you can do it one of two ways. Yeah, I, I agree. Like laying down the setting is good. And, but also you can ask your characters like, Hey, God, and you've done this before. You've said, Hey, uh, do you want to be uh, on the high seas on a pirate ship? Do right. you want to like right. fight in the treetops of the East? Do you want to, you know, so you kind of got some input on that too, but yeah, this one, you right. threw us in the South and I think that's a great choice. Cause we've out of all the Cardinal directions, We've never played a game in the South, so I'm looking forward to it. We visited Charoscuro in our un unearthed game. Yeah but, yeah, but that's not... We were visitors. Yeah, not, it's not the not same. Not natives, yeah. Right. Well, you know, we've, we've talked about setting a couple of times here, and crafting the setting of your game is, I think, just as important as crafting the story. And, of course, now, when you talk about setting versus story, there is a lot more material out there about the setting you know we have all of these books from first edition and second edition that discuss all these various locales even the you know the core book the third edition core book has a has a long and good section giving lots of setting ideas and whatnot going through not just four cardinal directions but they added four more in the third edition looking uh, pretty you know pretty heavily into all of the median directions as well like the northeast and the southeast and the southwest and the northwest and kind of building out those areas so we've got lots and lots of setting information available but uh, how do you create and use setting in your game charles how have you been working on the setting of this new game you're playing and what what are some of your tips for setting development Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> don't take my <laughs> tips. Um, no. Um, <laughs> so I tried to focus. Uh, I had to start small. I the, the reality is I just don't know a whole lot about the lore of this game. Mm, uh, yeah. That's something I'm working on overcoming. But like you said, there's just so dang much. It's like right. it's it's a very overwhelming task. So I've decided... I'm going to start small. I chose to set our game in the East because it seems like it's much easier to create your own little kingdom. Oh yeah. In deep in the forest. Mm -hmm. So, um, I found a picture of a town online, some 3d rendered image and I stole it. And then I started making <laughs> buildings in that town places. And, you know, I said, Ooh, that's going to be the two hearts tavern. And, Oh, that's going to be the good omen, which is a competing, uh, brewery in town. And like Markle, Ooh, the fortune nice. teller hangs outside the good omen. You know, As you this would. is yeah, <laughs> classic Markle. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I just figured since I don't know enough about the canon, which honestly wouldn't matter because my group knows literally nothing because they're right. all brand new. So I'm just going to start small and then build up from there. But that's pretty much it. Right. Well, and you know, I, I would, I would echo that quite a bit, even though I have read a lot of the books on the, you know, I, I think I've read all the direction books and whatnot, but, uh, I still find that my favorite thing to do uh, when it comes to setting a story is I, I almost never want to set the story in one of the big iconic locations that's described in the books uh, for, I guess, a couple of reasons. One, I, I sort of like to be creative, but, but two, 
I feel like if I can set it in in a town or a nation or kingdom or even like a, a weird chunk of the woods that I create, that I have like full control over that section of creation. But I never want that to be the full setting of the story. Like I want to, just like in this wild shape game I'm building, like I didn't set it in gym. I set it in a new town that I created called Wanderer's Gulch, which is two days north of Jim. But what that allows us to do though, is take a journey to Jim, right? And you can show off, you can show off some of these like, you know, written, created by the developers, uh, locations as you know, you can act as tour guide and show your players some of this wondrous stuff, but then you can take them back home to where you control everything, you know, you know exactly who the mayor is because you created him whole cloth or her whole cloth or whatever. And so like, I, I just like that, that, that control. I know that like other people feel just as feel just as empowered to take, you know, a, a known city like Chiroscuro or Jim or uh, the Imperial city, even some people or Nexus, they, they, they feel as empowered to take these big cities that are described in the setting and just run them as if they own them. And I think that's great. You know, if, if that's the way you want to play, you want to own these big cities, you do it. But I, I guess there's something in me that says, um, if I screw up Nexus in this game, I feel like Nexus needs to stay screwed up in the next game. <laughs> right. You know? But then what if they release some new supplement that like some really cool stuff's going on in Nexus, but I already screwed it up, you know? Um, <laughs> I guess that's kind of what's holding me back, you know? I, I, I feel like I don't own those places because I didn't write them and therefore I can't really monkey around with them too much, you know? So that's yeah, just, I, but that's I feel me. the same way. Everybody's Corey. got their own. I feel the, the same uh, way about that because like. When you have a pre-written town, I mean, they're cool. And I like what you do is like, they're a nice place to visit, but we don't want to stay there. Right. Um, because, you know, let's say um, Silver Python over in Halta or like the Bull in the North. If something happens and your characters like get into a scuffle with these people and like Silver Python gets killed. And then like, <laughs> you know, you're out there talking about your game and people are like, what are you doing? You can't kill Silver Python. You know, like, like you just like <laughs> right. killed the, you killed the main character in the game. I mean, you could do that, but I don't know. It just, to me, it just seems like I like to talk to those people and like have them in, like in the background. Like, you know, they're right. there and they're doing things. Right. But if I make up Mayor McCheese and then he dies, no one in oh, the uh, whole entire tragic. Exalted Universe cares. You know, like, Right. Oh well, that guy didn't exist in my story. He didn't exist in my world. Right. I mean, you know, but those, it's right. my character. The way I view <laughs> it is, um, and I kind of did this with my hunter games, is I would have some like huge, monumental, like not world changing, but you know, region changing event happen, and then that storyline would kind of die off, and we would create a new cell of hunters. And I would either set it far away or I'd just say, hey, that happened in that other game. We're resetting to tell a new story. That kind of thing doesn't really bother me. I know that that kind of messes with the continuity, you know, yeah. because the idea is, oh, well, I want to play Exalted for 25 years straight. And I've woven this insanely detailed tapestry of interwoven stories. 
For me, though, it's kind of like, hey, maybe you want to play a game where the Blessed Isle gets completely obliterated by a meteor, and you want to see how a game of Exalted plays out in the wake of the, uh, you know, of that kind of catastrophic event. And then when you play that yeah. out and the you kind of get tired of it, you just, like, reset. I don't know. That kind of thing doesn't really yeah. bother me. Yeah, I mean, my skin's crawling when you're talking about that, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know. <laughs> but uh, I guess you know, hey, every you know, everybody's got the things that they enjoy, and um, I am the one that you know, if if we run a game this year and all these things happen, uh, I can't help but have the next story that we tell. You know, somehow it's building towards something big. I don't. I think of. I think of like every story I ever tell is kind of like one of the Marvel movies, right? Like right now right, we're doing right. the Thor movies, and later we're gonna do the Iron Man movies. The Exalted Cinematic Universe. Sooner or later we're gonna hit the Avengers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But so, even uh, the, comics are the we perfect example that. because they reset. Yeah. Well, but that that's also the worst part of comics, in my opinion. Yeah, reboot is the reboot. Yeah, I can't stand it. Except that it's more of a reset to tell a new, exciting, fresh story. I don't know. I kind of yeah. think that that's necessary at a point. Well, when we me. played yeah. Unearth, and uh, we had hints of the aftermath of Unearth show up in Forbidden, and I was going to have right. some of the events of Forbidden show up in the Lunar's game. And I think right. your Lunar character actually like did something yeah. to like one of the relatives of one of your he ate solar he yeah, ate yeah. gauss's uncle yeah yeah <laughs> and and planted Goodness his gracious. spider babies in gauss's aunt yeah <laughs> <laughs> see even when i make characters i can't help but do it chuck oh <laughs> yeah yeah that's why I, the whole uh return of the scarlet empress in um second edition never quite sat well with me i'm, I'm just like i don't want to end the world like like this or any other way i want this world to keep on going i want to keep telling my little regional stories i don't want this big bad thing to to go down so and that and it's one reason why i always have resisted the old world of darkness because i mm -hmm. felt like the meta plot was a little too binding but uh i just wanted to tell my own thing so but hey, everybody's got their own. Everybody's got their own things that they enjoy and that their players enjoy. And so, I'm certainly not. You know, I don't have the the right answer. I just have my answer. So blow up the blessed isle, but just don't tell Corey about it. <laughs> yes, please. That, I, I don't, don't want to hear about it. <laughs> you didn't blow up my blessed isle, dang it! But if you said, "Oh, our characters did this." off in the you know no named section of the map in the east and yeah, i'd be like oh that's cool i never knew that happened out there i, I could be i could be happy with that but uh yeah, creation yeah, so, is pretty big yeah there's there's plenty of room for your stories here all right and now uh it's kind of the last thing i guess that we need to consider when you're talking about storytelling building, building stories for these games are the npcs and the antagonists and turning those into you know real memorable characters that uh that your players interact with whether it's a an, an enemy that uh, becomes a very memorable enemy or just um you know a friend to the players uh, a particular barkeep or um, a mentor and putting those together in a way that uh that brings them to life gets the characters really invested uh what what are some things that that you've learned about that Jim, do you have some lessons for that? 
always like to think outside the box. I think some people get this idea when they're doing a solar game. They're like, oh, solars hate the dragon blooded, so the dragon bloods need to be my big bad. And one day they're. But there's just. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you could do that. Then, and they would be fun. Um, but it doesn't always have to be a, a big bad. Expected. Yeah, an exalt. You know, something that they know is going to happen. Throw something in there different. Um, mm. Do some uh, some conflict within a player themselves. Work on their intimacies. That's why intimacies are there to help people who don't right. like really think about the relationship of their character. Like it, they're there to make the, the character feel real. So if you right. can do something on that intimacy level, like they have a a strong tie to this town and and something happens over here but then they they catch word you know there's just so many things you can do tie on intimacies that, that those can be good antagonists uh mm-hmm. self-conflict conflict within the group um not don't always think you just have to have the big bad the big bad showdown like like right. we discussed about the unearth game the uh, there was a lot of combat in there. We fought like these big giant robot looking first stage things that were buried in this underground right. uh, underwater city. But the main point of conflict was, you know, the, the big climactic event that happened between uh, Baku. Who's going to cut the teenage girl's head exactly. off. Exactly. Right. <laughs> you know, that was, right. yeah, that was good stuff. And don't just think that you got to say, okay, uh, we got like five solars, and I know they're going to flare their anima, and the wild hunt's going to come, and then there's going to be a big fight, and maybe somebody dies. Don't right. think that that's the only thing you have to do. Just there, right. there's some other good ideas out there to, to play around with. What about you, Chuck? It sounds like you've uh, developed quite a few antagonists and whatnot through lots of different games, not just Exalted, but I know you're playing in this one. How- are there any lessons that you've learned in that? Any tips you'd like to give? Um, <laughs> where to start? Um, I think my favorite NPC that I created, and this is going to sound so stupid, um, he was a <laughs> random ship captain. Like, they were booking passage somewhere. And I was like, uh, cool, I need a name. Um, and for some reason, the actor Carl Weathers came in my head. And so I said, uh, oh, his no, name no. is Warl Kethers, which I get, I get it. It sounds beyond stupid. Wow, this is, but, this is some good tips that we're yeah. getting right here. <laughs> no, but what I did was, um, that was kind of a jokey game. That's that's really what you need right. to know. We, we didn't take it very seriously. So he was a ship captain, Warl Kethers, and he always said, excellent he never said like okay or good job he always said excellent and that was kind of the only thing about him he was not a deep character he wasn't really particularly interesting but i tell you what he is the one that my friends um who played in that game and have subsequently moved away will still text me and say i miss warl kethers yeah. <laughs> because he was just he had one thing that was really memorable and yeah. that was that was it. So I think it's more about um 
giving an NPC like one thing that makes them really, really memorable. I mean, even if it's yeah. um, the nation's best swordsman, but he's completely blind. Like he could be a completely shallow yeah. character outside of that, but people are going to remember that and think that's cool for whatever reason. Right. That's what I right. found to be the case. That is a that's that's a neat point, you know, giving people these touchstones that they can just, you know, hang a memory on and then um, you know, that just cements that character. And then I would yeah. say, you know, just to to not leave them in that sort of, you know, one-dimensional or two-dimensional state, to bring them into a little bit of three dimensions is like what Jim was saying, just focus on these these intimacies. I mean, this is a really yeah. a really positive addition to the game is the way that they you know, have these various intimacies, whether they be ties and principles, just add some, just add some. And, and it doesn't have to be like super crazy, you know, maybe he has a minor tie to strawberries because he just really loves strawberries. And if you, if you write that down on paper, that Captain Warl Crothers or whatever, um, <laughs> likes strawberries, then all of a sudden, not only is he saying excellent, but he's doing it while biting into a strawberry. <laughs> <laughs> you know it makes me um it it really reminds me of the character from Baldur's gate to minsk you remember him oh yeah, oh, yeah. i remember oh, yeah and granted had, giant space hamster yeah he had a little bit of backstory but really it was just he had a hamster a space yeah. hamster, that was, dude. That was almost his only part of character. Yeah, miniature giant space hamster. So I've <laughs> I have kind of adopted that. Um, but the to Minsk be fair, effect. most of the games I play are pretty uh, self-deprecating. They don't. I, we don't take them too overly seriously. So well, those are those are definitely good uh, good ideas there. Well, all right. Well, let's move into our character seed for the week. And this week, Jim's got one. What do you got for us, Jim? This week, I have the character seed Unrefined Commander. And Ooh. basically, what this is, it's a, it's a person who was just kind of like a miscreant in their background, like an unscrupulous character. And... Mm-hmm some accident happens where like they become like basically by being accident by unintentionally they become like the hero of the town and like Ooh. you know everybody's like oh you know and it's all this undeserved um hero worship put on this guy who knows he is just not the guy who deserves this but eventually it starts growing on him and he's like tries to live up to be the way everyone sees him and um, as a as I would role play this out, like this would probably be like a leadership person character in the circle, and mm-hmm. intentionally, you know, it takes a, a certain person to role play this out, and, and some players who are willing to deal with you, but you're going to make bad decisions, and you're going to kind of make bad decisions on purpose because that's what the character's doing, not not that the character's making them on purpose, the players making. Right some poor decisions to show in the story that you're, you're building that character up. You know, you got to establish that he's not a good leader so that when he is a good leader, you can see that change and progression of the character. 
So, mm, you know, it's an it's, interesting idea. Yeah. It kind of puts a little bit on the player to, uh, to develop, you know, cause everybody can design like the biggest, baddest guy who, you know, wears a trench coat and doesn't talk to nobody and like growl growls and stuff. But you know, when you intentionally, when you intentionally take on some of these characters with some personal flaws, it does mm-hmm. make for some interesting uh, stories. So right. that was basically what I was thinking about when I designed this. And basically I came up with a sample character and this is the character that I plan on using in our sister podcast. The module our, that you're making. No, no, no. This is actually going to be used in the deep, uh, uh, the wild oh, shape. Okay. Yeah. I'm using oh, this guy in the okay. wild shape. Yes. Um, so basically um, he's, He's a guy that is, he's a bandit. Like, I mean, he's just a rough guy and he's actually plotting to uh, rob this guy in town and some other guys beat him to it. Like, you know, he's got this, Mm. this whole con game planned out and then they kind of come in and spoil it. It's like a rich guy in town, very influential guy. Mm -hmm. So some other guy, and he's like, you know, he gets mad. He's like, Hey guys, this, this is my, uh, this is my target. You know, and like he beats him up, you know, and runs him off. Well, the guy's like, oh, my goodness, you saved my life and blah, blah. You know, he's like so appreciative. (laughs) And like he like he gets him elected as like not elected, but he gets him appointed uh, as like the sheriff of the town. Like you're you're in charge (laughs) of the law enforcement of the town now. Look, look, look at this guy. This guy's he would like make a big deal out of it. Like, hey, this is the guy that saved my life. You know, drinks are <laughs> right. on the house, and you're. And this guy's like, "Man, I was, I was gonna rob you," and you know. <laughs> so, you know, there's this internal conflict a little bit, but um, that's how he. Um, I guess I can go to his exalt. Nah, nah. Uh, this is gonna be put on the board. I don't want to go too much into it. Um, right. But another thing I'm gonna do with this character, I know this character's gonna change before uh, we mm-hmm. go to playing. But I want to put him up mm-hmm. now, how I envision him now, and then I'm going to run him through some of those uh, fight clubs like we talked about. And right, I'm going to kind of right. record that and put that on the board and show how this character's kind of evolved, like what I found. Like, initially I wanted these charms, but when I did these tests, this didn't work, this didn't work, so I moved out this, replaced it with this. That way... Some of y'all can see how that fight club stuff works out. And we'll put that article up That's when, good idea. when I get that up there. I like the idea. I can't wait to see him in the game. Yeah. And we'll have that up on uh, fivepoles.com here within the next couple of days. Awesome. Good character. I like that one a lot. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, the, before we head out, let's go to the let's go to the message machine and see if we have any messages this week. This one's from our friend Luis F. Hey guys, from the Deliberative Podcast. Uh, hello from Brazil. Uh, my name is Luis, and I want to know what's your take on martial arts. I have to confess that as a storyteller, I feel very frustrated that my players, they don't want to play martial arts. They prefer the, the melee charms. They just want to add dice to their pools, and they don't want to have a style per se. And it's very frustrating because when I throw a challenge at them, I make sure that he's a martial artist and he's an immaculate dragon and they don't want any of it. And the core book has such great martial arts from the beginning 
they're really not interested. Uh, cheers again from Brazil. Keep up the good work. I really love your podcast. I've been wanting an exalted podcast for quite some time. And when I found out about you guys, it was the best thing of my day. I listened all your episodes in like one sitting and it was the best thing ever. And keep up the good work. He's awesome. Man, I right? love this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Thanks for sending that question in, Luis. I mean, that is, uh, I mean, and yeah, heartbreaking, right? When your players don't want to do martial arts. And I, I, we've had this experience too, where I'm trying to tell people, listen, the Mar- this was back in second edition. Look at the martial arts. This is like the best part of the game. And uh, folks just, I think, you know, I know that you said you're, um, you know, putting your players up against uh, enemies and whatnot that have the martial arts so that they can see it in action. They're still not taking the bait, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say, except maybe force one of them to try it sometime, I guess. But uh, for, for your players who may be listening to us and for all those out there who really haven't delved too much into the martial arts, let us here at the deliberative just say, you are really missing out. The martial arts are probably the greatest part they're of bananas. Exalted. And the ones that are in, uh, they're, they're just insane. And the ones that are in the third <laughs> edition core book, uh, I love them. And, and uh, you know, we were talking about this, um, Jim and I were talking about this a little earlier that, uh, you know, you look at, you look at that, that merit purchase for martial arts, that four dot merit. Uh, and, and you think, gosh, is it worth it? Is it worth it to take four dots in a merit? And I was thinking about this week as I was, uh, as I was reading back through a bunch of the martial arts styles in the core book and I'm reading the very first one snake style and the charms that are available for a solar exalt, you know, with mastery because the solars and the, um, the infernals and the abyssals, they would have the mastery, uh, because their essence is so high, but those that have mastery man those snake style charms are just broken i mean they are so (laughs) stinking good and i would contend that that martial art rivals any four dot artifact in the arms of the chosen or in the core core book when you look at like the kind of charms that you now have access to by taking that four dot artifact i think it's stronger then I mean not four dot artifact, but four dot merit for for martial arts. I think that that is a bigger advantage than spending those same four dots on a, on a four dot artifact. Some of that stuff, those those pressure point attacks, and the ability to interrupt people when they're attacking you, and then uh, as you interrupt them and stop their attack, you're also poisoning their chakras and all this other kind of stuff. And then at higher essence levels, at higher charms, you're able to actually like strike somebody at medium distance with some glowing anima snake that also hits them in the pressure points and the chakras and whatnot, and leaves them like with their bottom half of their body completely paralyzed, you know. And it's just like, what am I doing? I mean, it's so amazing it's just such an amazing and then and the fact that they don't limit the martial arts just to simply un, unarmed styles but they have all these you know righteous devil and and uh you know white reaper that use all these interesting weapons too and steel I, devil I, I, steel devil right yeah i mean there's there's just there's so many cool styles out there and of course I, you know we're all hoping that they add more and more and more with every every product we know we've got seven eight how many new ones in dragon blood i know we got the five uh the five 
immaculate styles and then they added mantis and uh white what is it uh white veil or did they add white veil and uh golden janissary yeah so there's eight new styles in the dragon blooded book and i hope that they add five six seven eight in the lunars book and everyone you know going out from here i hope they do another book uh like arms of the chosen but all it is is uh new martial arts styles i mean if you haven't tried martial arts you owe it to yourself to make a character that has that as as a part of their of their fighting you know just like instead of giving them melee charms or archery charms or whatever pick one of those pick one of those martial arts and just try it for a character i guarantee you you will have more fun um what about you guys what do you think about all this i think martial arts are rad i think if you're going to be fighting in anything that remotely resembles martial arts and you don't take martial arts you're selling yourself short you really are i mean it's not that i don't think the brawl charms aren't aren't neat because there are some cool ones there but, that's such an understatement the brawl tree is like one of the coolest ones in the I, entire book. I, I know i know but yeah. each individual martial art form is so freaking thematic that yes. the brawl yes. charm tree just is the most vanilla thing in comparison although remember that the brawl charm tree in third edition used to be a martial art in second edition that's why it's so good it used to be solar hero style oh that's and there right. used to be yeah and there used to be a lunar hero style and an abyssal hero style and an infernal hero style the infernal infernal hero style was kind of like uh playing as the hulk it's like tearing people's arms off and beating them with them and stuff like that's that gracious. i mean it was it was awesome and so you know so what they've done in third edition is they've just transferred all the hero styles to being the brawl charm tree for that exalt type which i thought was genius but um but yeah i mean that's why they're so good they're so good because they started out as an awesome martial art you know what about you jim well i fell into uh what luis is saying that um some of his players are doing when i first designed my fire uh dragon blooded uh i i went all male i mean i just wanted a big massive diaclave and I wanted to just cut people to pieces, so I got all the melee charms I could, and I stacked them on, and, you know, but you started convincing me that, hey, you need to look at these martial arts, and mm -hmm. when it came time to design, when we played Forbidden, uh, I designed my new character, Ahaz, and I had a really good idea of what I wanted him to do and be able to do, and... I wanted him to like spring in the combat and like hit a bunch of blows and then jump out and like and, and vanish and hide and um, I was trying to do this with like melee charms and athletic charms and like stealth charms mm -hmm. and yeah, I was I like that. man this is just this isn't working it's costing too much my animal would be flaring like crazy if I try to stack all this <laughs> stuff together um <laughs> But then I found oh. Crystal Chameleon style, and I was like, mm. this is what I've been looking for. So, mm -hmm. man, if if you're not going to select the martial art, at least read through them and see how mm -hmm. cool they really are. 
Like when you go yeah. into some of the forms, like boom, you spin the moats and it lasts the entire scene. Like the entire yeah. fight, you're in this like snake style form or uh, tiger form or you know uh, righteous devil form or whatever you pick, and you get like all these bonuses and stuff that stay with you throughout the entire scene, which yeah. is just awesome. Yeah, I mean it's it's just they're so good. You owe it to yourself uh, to try them if you haven't. And uh, like I said, just build a character right from the start that that's going to go with this and, and build it into the character as you design it and just give it a try. And and as a as a way of maybe uh, adding to the excitement, coolness of martial arts, we want to issue another challenge this week. And the challenge is this. The challenge is to create an idea for a brand new martial art. And what I mean is just the, the name of it, of course, and the flavor, the weapons that it uses or doesn't use, the armor that you that, that's permissible in that in that martial art. Sort of like the first paragraph under the write-up of the martial art, like if you're looking at the core book. Want to come up with the idea for a brand new martial art, and then one, just one to start with, the very first essence one charm for the style. So the one that everybody like kind of gets when they're first starting out in that style. So create, create a martial art and create the first essence one charms for that style. And so that's a challenge for the three of us. We will all be working on that, but we also want to throw the challenge out to the listeners. You out there, if you want to participate in this, or maybe you've already designed yourself uh, your own martial art and you just kind of want to, want to send it to us. Have us mention it on the air and uh, get a little credit for that. Send in your send in your submissions to this challenge. We'd love to hear from you. Love to see what you guys are making too. And we'll put all of these, of course, onto five pulls as we go. And then you know we can we can keep developing a charm at a time on these. You know every couple of weeks or so until we build out a full martial arts uh, style. I think that would be very cool. And just like we did when we did the spells, you know, we'll, you you, you kind of want to base the, the power level and whatnot on similar charms from other written uh, martial arts styles so that we, you know, we don't get too far off base. But, uh, but yeah, so let's try that for next week. Let's try creating a new martial art. I think that could be really fun. Even just coming up with the name and, and the theme, I think, is going to be really fun. Well, that about wraps it up for this week. So now where can folks find more of your stuff, Charles? Well, Corey, uh, you can find me, uh, of course, on our main website, fivepoles.com. You can find us on Facebook, the Deliberative Podcast. And you can also email me directly at charles.fivepoles at gmail.com. Jim? You can always find me at our website at fivepoles.com or reach me direct at my email, james.fivepoles at gmail.com. And I go by the username Reform Ninja on the forums. All right. And for all game-related things, including the Onyx Path official forums, I am Numa Pilot. It's the Greek word for spirit and the English word for dude who flies things. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've never heard you break it down like that before. That's good. That's good. All right. Well, hey, you can find all of us at fivepoles.com where we release 
articles, upload character seeds. Basically, a lot of the cool stuff that we talk about on the show, we push to that website. So make sure you go there and you can get some of this stuff to implement in your game. You can also follow us on Facebook at The Deliberative Podcast. And finally, we're also on Twitter at Deliberative Pod. And if you have a question or issue that you'd like for us to discuss on The Deliberative, please send your question to us at The Deliberative Podcast, all one word, thedeliberativepodcast at gmail.com. And if at all possible, send us a recording of your voice asking your question because we want to include you on the show. So uh, do that if you can. Hey, don't forget to leave us a review. Help your Lost Circle mates find this podcast. <laughs> Indeed. Thanks for listening to the Deliberative Podcast. Now go forth and bring righteousness to the world as you know best. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. See ya.